Welcome back to Elf Film Bet. Today we will be examining Happy People, A Year on the Taiga by me, Werner Herzog. Can you just do that for the whole podcast? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> it's so good. Yes, welcome back to Elf Film Bet. This is uh, our eighth episode based around the letter H, and we're doing a, a, a for real documentary this time. I wouldn't count End Day as a documentary of any sorts. End Day is an abomination of the documentary genre. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so yeah, how- Werner Her- Werner Herzog is our guest today. Uh, Hello, Alec. Uh, actually, we we don't have Werner Herzog, but we do have a guest. We do. We have uh, Tom Jackson, who happens to be our professor uh, here at the University of New Hampshire. But he is also a uh, documentary filmmaker. Yes, he made a documentary called Out of Balance: Exxon Mobil's Impact on Climate Change. Um, which, if you haven't seen, you should check that out. So thank you in advance, Professor Jackson. Yes, thank and, you. And uh, we will actually be playing his review for you guys during our review section. And he also has some words of the week for us, so stick around for that. He's very, He is very uh, knowledgeable when it comes to Herzog and the documentary genre, so he's going to have some really valuable uh, insight for our podcast. And yes. We're very we're grateful for his help. Yes, thank you. Uh, happy people a year in the a year in the taiga is uh, 2013, uh, 2013. although this is a little caveat to that uh, it was originally a, a four-part longer documentary series that was released in 2007 right directed by filmmaker uh, Dmitry Vasyukov who was the co-director in this movie and uh, yeah so Werner Herzog re-edited the film and narrated it and we feel still has a strong enough directorial presence to uh, to use him for this podcast for obvious reasons. It's, um, it's, it's pretty well critically acclaimed, um, but it did not do very well in the box office. Okay. Were... Well, documentaries aren't historically right. massive uh, money true. makers. Very true. You, you had also mentioned uh, Herzog has before just taken previously shot footage and, and morphed it into uh, a documentary film with Grizzly Man. One of his most famous films. Right. I mean, that that definitely had an original touch to it, but yeah, very interesting. We are introduced to several trappers living in the village of Bakta, an isolated community in the Siberian Taiga. On the Yenisei River. One trapper shows the camera several traditional ways of crafting skis out of wood and other practices of daily life. Many of their techniques are traditional and ancient in nature including some of their traps, but they do not seem to mind using modern technologies for convenience. These technologies include chainsaws, boat motors, and snowmobiles. Throughout the film, we watch the the people of, of Bakta experience each of the four seasons, beginning with spring and ending in the winter. Each season requires a different set of tasks, many of which are preparation for the incredibly cold winters. The trappers, who are the main focus of the film, leave the settlement at several points during the year to collect the animals from their traps. To do this, they must travel deep into the wilderness of the snowy taiga. Herzog remarks that this is what makes these unique people the happiest, being completely free and alone in the forest. The trappers often speak directly to the camera and explain their processes and techniques, which are often unusual but ingenious. Dogs are omnipresent throughout the film, with trappers remarking how important they are for hunting in general life. While the dogs seem to be loved, they are often treated harshly and given little comfort beyond the essentials from their owners. Upon returning from the wilderness, the trappers bring back a successful collection of fish, assorted mammals, and birds that have been hunted or trapped. Their jobs are essential for the small community. After staying briefly in the village to celebrate Christmas, the trappers set out again into isolation, where they are, according to Herzog, again, 
happy people. Definitely a lot of interesting themes in this movie. It's so interesting, just in a lot of uh, Herzog's documentaries, but especially this one, being able to bear witness to a a, a lifestyle that in, in real life most of us will never get to experience. Right. Um, that's in many ways primitive, but also he says primitive yet sophisticated in the film, uh, which I thought was a great quote. At one point, he says the traps are primitive yet sophisticated, okay, okay. which also sort of describes um, their lifestyle. Yeah, so we're we're introduced to this area that we see is desolate, remote, and cold. Uh, but then, we, the second we meet one of the first trappers, he immediately shows that he's very warm and knowledgeable. the The film as a whole is it's very sort of informational. I, I, I yes. not in a bad way, but I, I thought of it, at times it felt like like a PBS special. I thought exactly the same thing, like teaching about like different cultures especially definitely less like uh, as far as documentaries go i know some sort of veer into the narrative film territory i feel like this one doesn't quite do that as much as some others right it really feels like you're just spectating the subjects it doesn't have really a, a narrative uh push or structure it's more like seeing different elements of these people's lives even though we do follow the same two or three characters right so for, for the most part it is cinema verite right but th- there are a lot of moments where the people will come up to the camera and like either explain the camera like a tutorial video or like I think there's one point where someone tried to offer the guy behind the camera or at least it looked like this a mug of vodka. Uh, there's a few a few sequences where you do become aware of the cam- uh, cameraman's presence. The uh, people of of Bakta, they don't have a lot of modern technology. Right, some is, but not, not too much. Uh, a major point of focus in the film, and um, there's even one point where. They, they explain that modern tools don't work for their purposes and that they actually prefer to, for example, just use, uh, just create fire to sort of uh, direct fish towards their right. traps. Right, that was cool, yeah. But there, there was mention in contrast to that, that uh, in some cases they were losing some of their old ways. Yeah, like, I remember there was the those two men who were who they said they'd long forgotten the traditional ways. Uh, and then the, the, there, there was a mention of an old cat woman who like was the only person who knew how to make these traditional dolls, and it was uh, pretty suddenly mentioned after that that they were destroyed in a fire. It and definitely, yeah. I think that that was symbolic of the old ways being lost and and burned away and taken away. Definitely feels like a community that's going through some sort of evolution, um, and definitely some sort of coming into conflict with with the modern world. In, in that vein of, of maybe hints of not being completely happy, there there are some some darker themes here. Uh, there's there's the mention of of the war at several moments, and I remember one guy was too emotional to keep talking about the war to the filmmakers, and that clearly affects the community. Another thing is the alcohol issue, the alcoholism issue, where many members of the community say that's really destroying a lot of lives within their people. What you're saying really boils down to what maybe. The main question of the movie, based on the title, uh, is this a happy, peaceful, tranquil way of living? Or is it uh, um, just a a lifestyle that's kind of disappearing Mm -hmm. with the advancements of of modern life? Right. And whether we think these people are are happy living like they they do. uh, There's also the theme of animals. First of all, I'll I'll just mention the, the hunting thing. It's obviously the way these people survive, more specifically the, the trapping. 
I remember one scene that I remember very well was uh, an explanation from, I think, one of the trappers where he said that hunting and trapping is more humane than like the farming of animals. Because when you're farming animals and slaughtering them like livestock, you get to know the animals and they trust you as a, a person who gives them affection. Whereas the uh, the animals in the forest, uh, they, they, they always are afraid of humans, so it's just whoever outsmarts the other. Uh, also, the, the dog theme is very relevant throughout the way the dogs are treated. Uh, there's a lot of puppies, which I liked. Yeah. And there's also the, this is sort of like an, an overarching antagonist for the people throughout the film is the bears. But sometimes they destroy the traps and there's also like the hiding the food. And I think Werner Herzog must really be interested in bears because <laughs> there's Grizzly Man there's and there's this. Her, I like the way he says bears. He's like, bears, I don't know, bears. And now you love his accent. It's it's awesome. But yeah, in that respect, he's definitely seems like he's interested uh, as a filmmaker in how humans interact with, with the natural world. Right. Also uh, on that dichotomy between their increasingly ar- archaic culture and uh, and the modern world, it was a bit of a whiplash seeing that kid in the in the Pokemon shirt. Right. Yeah. Th- there's a kid at one point, and he's just casually wearing a, a a shirt with like the Pokemon logo and a bunch of characters in Pokemon. So that was funny. Yeah. And th- there's another one of there's a kid wearing like a, a shirt of like a rock band. I can't remember. I don't. I don't know which one it was, but yeah, just because they're always in these uh, thick parkas and clothes you traditionally associate with Siberian culture. So right. it's it's and, and right. you you forget what time period you're in a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, that, that's what you were saying earlier about how like you think maybe the movie tries to tries n- not in a uh, exploitative way over the people, but they try to make you almost feel like you're in the past like i think herzog there's a line in it towards the end where he says that you would almost forget (laughs) that we're in the modern age right yeah it's 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 fascinating you know that's the biggest thing is um this dichotomy between old cultures and new cultures Mm -hmm. because nowadays it, it would be hard pressed to find someone who agrees with the treatment that uh these people force their animals to specifically their like companion animals right to uh go through right which is weird because they're always saying how much they love the dogs and i think there's a line saying like oh the dog is part of the family yeah but then they proceed to not let it in the house or not let it sleep in the house and, and, and then abuse them i mean yeah. it's 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 abuse it's abuse <laughs> and, and they were like like oh the the dogs don't usually live very long yeah and then he went went on to explain how oh. some of his dogs died horribly yeah. and like a bear attack i'm pretty sure it right. was yeah not what we would consider today as correct treatment of animals are right. depicted in this film but it's like a weird sort of respect and admiration that they they hold for them it's just it's just in a different way that we yeah it's think just, about it today it's just like a cultural difference i guess it's horrifying to watch <laughs> yeah at, sometimes. At, at points yeah but at other times very fascinating it's watching their lifestyle True. I mean, I know that we couldn't construct a lot of the tools and traps and and canoes and things that, that, you know, the average American definitely doesn't have the patience or the ability. Right, or just the, the knowledge. Or, yeah, exactly. So, uh, to be able to craft at that level and be that in tune with uh, the natural world to an extent. Yeah. But the amount of patience and... Uh, and skill is really admirable. Mm-hmm. At one point, the, I think it's during the summer months, like the late summer months, they say that some like cruise tours regularly would come by 
and just observe the people, which felt a little bit uh, weird to us, I think, just being watched by the tourists and not overtly, but sort of being treated like like a attraction. Yeah. The, the only moment in the film where you actually see that other modern perspective coming into conflict with, with the people of Bakhta. Also seeing how the political situation works in Russia slash Siberia, how politics work in the fact that they will go and and uh, and campaign out in the middle of Siberia yeah. to these older, less technologically advanced cultures um, is interesting. The way this movie is shot is, I guess, for, for the time especially, uh, filming in the early 2000s. There are a lot of beautiful, beautiful nature shots. This is this definitely does work if you're just trying to like watch a watch a, a documentary that you can just really relax and enjoy nature in for the most part. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it has that sort of ambient, relaxing quality to the to the visuals and even the score. The it's score, yeah, incredibly uh, peaceful. And yeah, also there, there's there's some cinematic. There's some yeah, there, there's some very uh, cinematic and, and creative shots. Like I'm sure they used. Probably not drones, but helicopters. I I don't know. I assumed it was a drone, but yeah, I guess I guess it wouldn't have been. I guess it could have been. I don't know. It, it did definitely did have the vibe of small crew. Right, but uh, still, like, just for a small crew, impressive photography. Recording a lot of B-roll, but yeah, definitely impressive. And um, yeah, at some points, rather rather stunning shots of such a stark land. Right. Mass. And Werner Herzog has had a pretty pretty compelling narration, I think, as he always does. Yeah. There were a few times where I thought it was a unnecessary certain line too dramatic where he just uh, explains what we're seeing on screen and that he could have let the just the actual shot do the um, do the talking right definitely and you also criticized one other element of, of of his script his dialogue right which I which I also think he does a few times in uh, Grizzly Man I, I think sometimes he he attempts to over dramatize characters and maybe he's right maybe he's not the point is that we don't know and he probably doesn't know either so i think there's one point where one of the trappers was standing like at the edge of a lake with his dog looking out into the distance and werner herzog was like like he was he was saying like some complex deep way about how the trapper was feeling even though he was just looking out into the distance which i think is another uh, example of something that people can interpret from the visual itself from the shot right exactly i don't i think he should have at some points uh, let the cinema cinematography do the talking uh, more so than his actual narration. Yeah. I think we both agree on that. Yes. Yeah. So now we're, we're going to get into our personal reviews, and then we'll hear from Tom Jackson. Yes, I'm very excited to hear from Tom Jackson about his thoughts on the film. Do you want to start? O- overall, uh, like we were just talking about, a lot of beautiful fo- uh, beautiful footage in this film. Uh, very fascinating setting, per usual for Herzog's uh, nature-focused films. Stunning cinematography. Uh, though, uh, we didn't actually talk about this. Do you think that the pacing dragged at all? Uh, you know, I, 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 I do. I, I actually do think that the, uh, the pacing dragged a little bit towards the end uh, and maybe was a little bit repetitive maybe in in the images and ideas right like uh, how many times do we have to see a guy cut a tree right okay cool uh, we're in agreement on that i think maybe they just could have cut it a little bit shorter and maybe the the message and, and the film would be more effective overall but as it is i still think it is effective and i thought it had a lot of uh, interesting scenes and yeah i really feel like 
documentaries like this do a great job transporting you to a, a specific time and place that otherwise most people will never get to see with their own eyes. Uh, and mm-hmm. for that, I think it, it's very valuable. And also, yeah, had had some interesting depictions of a culture that is not common anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's still existing in, in the modern age, which is fascinating. Um, I think I... I... Overall, I, I did like this documentary. It's not one that gripped me from the very beginning. It, uh, I think I do think the pacing was a little slow towards the middle. Uh, like I said, it, it did feel very informational. So I, I think I was I was more fascinated by the some of the things that these people did than entertained, as if I was watching something like a, like a traditional film. In that sense, I, I did enjoy it as. Like you said, learning about a new culture that I'll probably never see in person. But as a as a film, I, I can't say I loved this movie. I really respected it, Respe- um, yeah. but it's not one of my favorite documentaries that I've ever seen. Uh, I'm glad I watched it, though. Yeah, but overall, some really great content, shots, narration, explanations, and overall, a very fascinating look at this culture. Uh, and now we're going to hear from our, our professor and uh, filmmaker, Thomas Jackson. Among the massive body of work that Werner Herzog has produced over the past 50-plus years, there's a thread woven into his work that focuses on telling stories that are based on hostile environments. Documentaries such as Grizzly Man and fictional films such as Aguirre, The Wrath of God come to mind, among others. I just watched another Herzog documentary which is based in a hostile environment, Happy People, A Year in the Taiga. This is my review. The film focuses on hunter-trappers from a tiny community in the wilds of Siberia. The community has no modern amenities, despite the intense cold that dominates their lives through much of the year. How cold is it? Put it this way. Toward the end of the film, Herzog mentions that a mild December day sees the temperature at 33 degrees below zero. The people of the community are self-reliant, making everything from their own chainsaws, insect repellent, and the skis that they need to get around on the snow or deep moss that makes up the year-round landscape throughout Siberia. The first part of the film is essentially an introduction to the community, their lifestyle, and their minimalist existence. The community is not without its problems, though. Eventually, Herzog mentions that a lot of people drink copious amounts of Russian vodka. Quoting one of the community members, We're drunk, and we do our jobs. Not even halfway through the film, we see that in integral ways, these people are just like any other group of humans. Underneath the veneer of happiness, other realities exist. At one point, a political candidate arrives on a boat to do some campaigning. A small group of children dance to the music that's blaring from the boat, but the adults ignore the candidate. In a small community that is dwindling in size, this short scene is rather foreboding. For part of each year, these hunter-trappers go even further out into the wilds to trap animals for their fur and hunt and fish for their survival. This is the stage of the film where Kurtzog really pivots and tells us that, quote, out on their own, the hunters become what they essentially are, happy people, truly free. The audience then sees life in the most remote parts of Siberia, where individual hunter-trappers and their canine companions do their work. The hunter's dogs and the way the men treat them plays an important role in the film because the relationship between the hunters and their dogs is essential to hunting and trapping. That said, the treatment of the dogs is not like the family-centered treatment that most Americans give to their dogs. 
Toward the end of the film, the central figure, Anatoly, returns to the village for New Year's Eve. Anatoly's dog runs behind the snowmobile the entire 150 kilometers home. And once there, Anatoly tells his wife, upon the dog's arrival, a few minutes behind the snowmobile, that the dog is of course hungry because he hasn't eaten in a day. Other documentaries naturally come to mind while watching this film. If Robert Flaherty, the director of Nanak of the North, had been a filmmaker in the modern age of documentaries, he might have beaten Herzog to Siberia to make a film like Happy People. The lineage from Nanook to Happy People is fairly obvious, although the key difference is that Herzog doesn't take the artistic liberties that Flaherty took by persuading the Inuits in Nanook to do everything the old way, like using spears to hunt walrus instead of using shotguns, which they had adopted by 1922 when the film was released. Flaherty wanted to put images on the silver screen that he thought his audience and his fur coat-making financiers would want to see. What we see in Happy People is exactly the way these individuals live in 2007 when the original series was produced. But Herzog's objective is not just to dazzle his audience with the minimalist, hard lives of his subjects. As with all of Herzog's films, there's an additional objective or two. While the film is, of course, filmed with beautiful shots of the environment that the hunters live in, and in a sense the film is at least part ethnographic, part sort of National Geographic-esque. As with any Herzog film, there are additional points to telling the story that goes beyond the beauty of the landscape and showing his audience the simple yet challenging way of life of the hunters. One of those points can be found right from the title of the film. The hunters are happy, as previously noted, most of all when they're out in the wilds doing their thing. But additionally, Herzog shows us the darker side of human nature and nature itself. As Anatoly says toward the end of the film, quote, Come to think of it, we are all killers and accomplices. Out here, it's about who outsmarts whom. The same could be said not only in other Herzog films, but in a literal or figurative sense in any society, perhaps even among most forms of life on Earth. Thank you so much for uh, lending your thoughts to our podcast. Yeah, thank you for the very interesting insights that you were able to offer. Now moving into uh, the selected reviews for this movie, first from Letterboxd. This is from Ciara, who gave it four to five stars. After watching Lerman's bombastic, superficial, effects-driven Great Gatsby, I was searching for a film that would bring me back down to reality. I really don't think I could have made a better choice than a Werner Herzog co-directed movie set in Siberia. A year in the taiga didn't just bring me down to reality. It made me realize how much of my own life is dominated by material things. Co-directed by Dmitry Vesyukov, it's not a beautiful film, but he captures everything. For a documentary, I would much rather have a rough and tumble slice of reality, warts and all, than gorgeous, subjective reenactments. The film is narrated by Werner Herzog. I feel like psychiatrists should seriously prescribe a recording of his voice to anyone who feels anxious or unsettled. There's almost nothing better than Herzog murmuring strange golden honey into your ears. Thank you for the compliment. Uh, definitely a very grounding and uh, realistic experience. Especially yeah. after watching something as surreal and, uh, like she said, bombastic as a Baz Luhrmann movie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, good follow-up to Guardians of the Galaxy, too. That's very bombastic. That's true. Um, but, yeah, definitely uh, a great point about the – and also a point Professor Jackson made about the uh, objective look into the culture uh, where there's no reenactments or anything like that. Right. Um, and, yeah, I also definitely agree on the Herzog comments. Yeah, for sure. Probably one of the best documentary narrators. Yeah. Most iconic. 
right up there with uh, David David Attenborough. Yeah. Uh, next review from Letterbox is from Mariana Neal, who gave the film three and a half out of five stars and said, "A really interesting and informative documentary about trappers in Siberia. Love that the film covers an entire year. A lot of the narration is pretty strange, though, in content and delivery." And it seems like some of the points Werner Herzog was trying to make got abandoned along the way. And then there is the Russian to English translation. It's pretty terrible for the most part. Some things aren't translated at all. Half of what these people are saying is not translated with much precision. And most of the nuances of the language are lost, along with the differences in speaking style um, the people in the film have. While it's not possible to do an exact translation that captures the language perfectly, there is a lot of room for improvement here. Sadly, the English subtitles will only give a pretty general gist of what's being said. I put that in there because I thought that was uh, a really interesting point that someone who who speaks native Russian uh, that is very would be able to make. Uh, yeah, and that's a good point about the that some of the Herzog comments were maybe a little strange, but overall, I think I don't think it was too bad. And definitely, yeah. definitely interesting part about the about the Russian translation that I don't think I would have thought about. Although I did notice that there were some missing lines that weren't translated for us. There was one point where I don't know if it was just Prime Video where we watched it. But there was a lot of dialogue being shown really fast, right. uh, like trying to match up with, I guess, the pace that the Russian translation is or the original Russian language goes at. I don't know. It's It was, it was interesting, but um, kind of sad that nuance is often lost in, in uh, translating. Right. Well, something like that can always be remastered, you know, redone true. in the future. Yeah, it's true. So this is from Russman on Letterboxd, who gave it three out of five stars. They say... Give that dog a lift. So yeah, that's I think that's something that uh, Alec, I, and Professor Jackson all agree with, because uh, the, the 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 scene with the dog having to run so many miles after the guy in the snowmobile, who could very easily give him a lift, as Russman is saying, is pretty shocking. Another example of the different relationship these people have with their animals. Right. So yeah, that that's a funny one. I I understand, I guess. Uh, cultural differences, but that feels excessive right. from a modern perspective. Yeah, definitely. And and cruel. Yeah. Moving on to critics, uh, we have David Harris, who gave the film three out of five stars and said, although Happy People feels cobbled together, Herzog and Vasukov do provide us with some pretty astounding images. Uh, I think that, I mean, we agree about the imagery. Uh, it's an interesting point that it feels cobbled together. I wonder if he means um, because Herzog himself didn't direct the original footage, it, it's a little bit, um, I don't know. What do you think he means by that? I'm confused. Um, maybe it's something to do with like the pacing or the overall structure. Right. I know we said there wasn't much narrative, but maybe that's what he's referring to. Yeah. This is from critic Rob Thomas, who gave the film three out of four stars. He says, in a very real sense, we are watching Herzog watch this film. His rapturous reaction illuminating as much about himself as his subjects. That's that's interesting. It, yeah, I guess it does it does feel like a Werner Herzog reaction video on YouTube. <laughs> no, that was kidding. my that was my exact thought. Um, because he's just narrating over the footage uh, right. and has no literal involvement. Um, because a lot of the time in his films, he'll at least pop up on screen to uh, give interviews and stuff like that. Right, that's a good point. It, it would have been funny if we had like a, a little like webcam image of him reacting on the top right. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it does. It does feel like that. Um, like a commentary track, actually. Right. Yeah. Which I feel like he's done in other films too, but definitely it's noticeable here. Yeah. And the final review we have from Brian Tallarico, who gave it three and a half out of five, and says it's a minor film from a major director, but it's still a strong one for those interested in its subject matter. 
how people can still coexist with and live off the land instead of ignoring or abusing it. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely some some great lessons in here about material wealth versus the simplicity and freedom of living like this. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a really good takeaway. Yeah. So we're going to move on to words of the week for today's episode. Sam, myself, and also our guest, Tom Jackson, are going to share the five words that they found related to the film in some way. So 15 words this week. We're going to get 15 words this week. Buckle in, folks. Um, yeah, I can start. My first word is, is harrowing. Um, Mm -hmm. because aspects of their lifestyle as well as how they treat their canine companions uh, is distressing and uh, not great. My first word is pretty obvious. It's hardworking because of how hardworking these people are in all their their different jobs, but especially as we see the trappers who clearly have hard but to them enjoyable lifestyles. Number one, hostile. Kind of the obvious one, uh, as in hostile environment. My second word, I did put um, horrifying because to me, the level of manual labor that they do in this film is horrifying. Uh, you know they spent all day on that canoe just chipping away at it. Yeah. Um, the, the, I wonder if the, the filmmakers had to stand there for all that. <laughs> they left and grabbed some food and then grabbed a, grabbed a cup they of coffee. come back with the McDonald's and eat it in front of them. My second word is hunting because of all the animals they hunt to stay alive. Number two. Horrible, which, in my opinion, describes the way Anatoly treats his dog. So I actually also had hunting for number three. It was a good one. I should have I should have used it earlier. I think for number three, I'm gonna go with um, hassle because it seems like quite a hassle. Uh, the the hunting trips they go on and all the trapping and everything about their lifestyle, basically. My third word is hat because everyone seems to be wearing a nice fluffy hat. Yeah. What do you call those with the ears? and? I don't know what they're called, though. According to this, that it's called a trapper hat. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, the, the trapper hats. The trapper hat. Number three, hoarfrost, which I think we see at least once in like one B-roll shot in the film. It, yeah, it's like this. Oh, yeah, you get the idea. For my fourth word, I'm going to go with hurt between all of the... Animals getting killed by bears and uh, attacked by mosquitoes with uh, like open gash on his face, I think. Yeah, the mosquitoes were terrifying. My word is home because it revolves around this place that these people clearly call home and do not want to leave. Yes, and also uh, the trappers' various huts and, and small little dwellings were, were emphasized. Right. Number four, hard as in hard living which describes the lives of these folks in the film, but in different ways describes at least different segments or aspects of anyone's life anywhere. So my final word is hunger. I don't think that the characters were literally portrayed to be hungry a lot of the time, but there's just a lot of emphasis on a good aspect of their culture is based around hunting and therefore survival. Yeah, that's that's the driving force, definitely. My final word is hairy because... Uh, all, all these trappers, or a lot of the trappers, especially the main guy, seems to have very big hairy beards. And there's also a lot of hairy dogs and a cat. And number five, now this one is admittedly a stretch, but number five is hookah, as in hookah lounge, which I think would do really well in this community if they had one. 
because it could give everybody a nice, relaxing break from the constant flow of Russian vodka. For Alphabet, I'm Tom Jackson. Thank you again, Professor. Uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, much appreciated. Um, thank you guys for listening to this extra special episode of Al Film Bet. <laughs> this is kind of like our Christmas episode. It is a little bit uh, because of the amount of snow. Actually, more snow than we're getting right now, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not hard to beat. It was making me a little bit jealous watching this film. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, believe it or not. Yeah. Not of their living conditions, but of uh, of the weather. Yeah. But not the negative 30 degrees below zero. Right. That's ridiculous. And that's a mild day. Yeah. If you want to email us with any suggestions or questions, please do at alfilmbet at gmail.com. Yeah. Or words of the week suggestions if you have, if there are any left after today. We we did go through 15. Right. <laughs> so once again, thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you soon for the next episode. And we hope everyone has a happy holiday and Christmas. Happy holidays. And stay out of the cold. Hopefully it's not negative 30 degrees below zero where you guys are. Hopefully. And if it is, don't leave your dog out. (laughs) Please don't leave your dog out in negative 30 degrees weather. (laughs) Thank you.